So that's the book of Philemon. It's a single chapter found on page 1200. And reading from verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also, to Apia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me, so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here and to worship with you. Years ago, someone told me the secret of a perfect sermon. They said a good sermon has a great start, it has a great ending, then you take those two parts and you bring them as close together as you possibly can. So I'm going to try. Let's start with a prayer. Let's pray together.
Dear Lord, thank you for your word to us that we find in the Bible. Thank you that your word is real and relevant and valuable to our lives today. Humbly, we ask that you would open our minds, open our hearts, and open our lives to your eternal truth. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in my early 20s, I worked as the finance director of a small Christian charity in London. Because I was so young and inexperienced, the charity appointed a mentor to teach me the details of the job. This was at a time before having a mentor was seen as trendy and cool and the right thing to do. John was a wonderful, godly man and a great help. He was a retired local government officer with many years of experience as the treasurer of a London borough. Not long after we started working together, I realized that John had a unique talent. John could write the most amazingly clear letters. Whatever the subject, however complicated, John could explain the situation clearly. But when I analyzed what he did, the structure of John's letter was surprisingly simple and often the same. He would start with a greeting, a thank you or an introduction. Secondly, there would be the main body of the letter with each point explained clearly. And John would then close the letter either by asking for something to be done or to finalize the correspondence. It was simple but effective. The book of Philemon in the Bible is unique in many ways. For example, like my mentor's letters, Philemon has a classic three-point structure, a layout that was typical of Roman letters at that time. Secondly, instead of writing to a church, the book of Philemon is a short personal letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to an individual. And thirdly, the book of Philemon is Paul's only letter that does not focus on teaching Christian truth. Paul wrote as a friend and as a co-worker rather than as a teacher or as an apostle. Effectively, in this letter, Paul was humbly putting into practice the Christian truths that he had taught in his other letters and writings. But before we get into what it says, we need to identify some of the names that appear in the letter. Bible scholars agree that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, probably at the same time when he wrote Colossians. Paul was in Rome, in prison, waiting for his trial before Caesar. With Paul was Timothy, who had earlier joined Paul on his missionary travels. Timothy was being trained by Paul, and Timothy would eventually become the leader of the church in Ephesus. Philemon is the recipient of the letter. He was a Christian who lived either in or just outside the city of Colossae. 
Philemon was a wealthy man who hosted a church in his home. And like others in his community, Philemon had slaves in his household. And it seems that Paul and Philemon were close friends. And that might have started when Paul brought Philemon to faith in Jesus. Aphia was probably Philemon's wife, and Archippus was either their son or, more likely, the leader of the church that met in Philemon's home. And lastly, Onesimus. Onesimus was one of Philemon's slaves and the reason for the letter. We don't know what sort of work he did, but the name Onesimus means profitable or useful. This suggests either that Philemon was a great help in Philemon's house, or his name was rather sarcastic, and Onesimus was a waste of time. We don't know. To understand why the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, we need to know some of the backstory of what happened. Apparently, Onesimus had stolen something from Philemon, his master, and he had run away to Rome to avoid capture. According to Roman law, a captured runaway slave could have been punished by death. (laughs) So no wonder Onesimus ran away. Amazingly, in Rome, Onesimus somehow met the Apostle Paul, and through Paul, Onesimus became a Christian. Initially, Onesimus stayed with Paul and helped him while he was in prison. But eventually, the day came when Onesimus was willing to return to his master. So Paul wrote this letter to Philemon, asking him to receive Onesimus back. To receive him, not just as a a runaway slave, but as verse 16 says, as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Essentially, Paul asked Philemon to forgive Onesimus, even though Onesimus did not deserve to be forgiven, because they had both accepted Jesus into their lives, they were brothers in the Lord. They were part of God's family. As Colossians 3.13 says, forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness, true forgiveness from God, is a core aspect of our relationship with Jesus. In his letter, rather than just talk theoretically uh, about forgiveness, the Apostle Paul provides us with a real-life example, an example of the power of forgiveness. Firstly, forgiveness is personal. Disappeared. Forgiveness is personal. Verse 17. Here we go. If you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Like most people, I dislike receiving junk mail through the post. Letters that start, dear colleague or dear homeowner, they always seem cold and anonymous. 
I once saw a letter from a company that must have had a computer problem because they sent out a letter and it started, honestly, dear insert name here. When the Apostle Paul wrote to Philemon, his words were deeply personal. The the phrase translated, welcome him, means to take someone by the hand on their own. In other words, this was a personal welcome. And by extension, the forgiveness was to be personal and unique. And this is a picture of the forgiveness that we receive from God. Every one of us has sinned against God. We have failed to reach God's perfect holy standard. But Psalm 103 verse 12 says, God has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And Isaiah 43, 25, God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. And 1 John 1, 9, if, I, if we confess our sins to him, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. The Bible makes it very clear. God's forgiveness is for everyone. Forgiveness is a free gift from God. But here is the key issue. Each of us must receive God's forgiveness personally. We don't know what Philemon did after he received Paul's letter, but I'm convinced that Philemon welcomed Onesimus back with an open heart, which means that When Onesimus was personally welcomed and forgiven by Philemon, Onesimus had to decide to receive that forgiveness personally. This wasn't just a good idea or some sort of positive thinking. No, Onesimus' past, his sins and his wrongdoings, all of that was forgiven and his relationship was restored. God is saying to each of us today, I love you and I forgive you personally. The question now is, will we personally accept God's forgiveness today? Forgiveness is personal. Secondly, forgiveness is precious. Verse 18, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Forgiveness is expensive. Forgiveness always comes at a cost. It might be a financial cost or an emotional cost or the cost of standing and status. Forgiveness is precious. Just before we went to Africa as missionaries, my wife and I, uh, we went on an overseas preparation course. In one of the sessions, we were asked to imagine that our house was on fire. We had two minutes to run into the building and rescue something. The question was, what would we choose? The exercise was to help us to know what our most treasured possession was. 
What is so important to me that I would risk my life by running into a burning building to save it? The Apostle Paul valued Onesimus so highly that he was willing to cover the cost of any loss that Philemon had suffered. If you like, Onesimus was Paul's treasured possession. And yes, he would have probably risked his life and run into a burning building to save him. Paul valued and loved Onesimus so much that he was willing to pay the penalty that Onesimus deserved. And again, this is a picture of the forgiveness that we receive from God. As John 3.16 says, God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus values and loves us so much that he willingly paid the penalty for our wrongdoings on the cross at Calvary. Jesus didn't come to earth to just bring good news to all men. Jesus came not just to share our humanity, but to transform our humanity. Jesus didn't come to earth on a a fact-finding mission to find out what it was like to be human. Jesus came to remove the cancerous sin in our humanity and to restore us to the perfection that God wanted us to be in the first place. Jesus came to bring forgiveness. God is saying to each of us today, I love you, I value you highly, and I forgive you personally. The question now is, will we receive God's forgiveness today? Forgiveness is personal, forgiveness is precious, and lastly, forgiveness is permanent. Permanent. Verse 19. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. In Bible times, it was usual for letters to be dictated to a scribe. Paper was expensive. Scribes had small and neat handwriting. So more could be written on the sheet. In Paul's letters, after dictating the main text, Paul would pick up a pen and write his own farewell. (laughs) No, it wasn't love and kisses, Paul. No, it wasn't that. But something like, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. One of the most important documents I have signed was the marriage register at my wedding. I remember being handed an awkward fountain pen with some weird-looking ink, and my writing seemed to scratch the paper as I was signing. When I asked the minister if I could use a normal pen instead, he smiled and, and shook his head. He explained that it was special, indelible ink. I needed to use that so that what I wrote stayed permanently on the paper. 
As I mentioned earlier, the book of Philemon is a personal letter that Paul wrote to an, an individual. We cannot be sure, but Paul may have written the whole letter himself. So in verse 19, when Paul said, I am writing, the, uh, writing this with my own hand, this was effectively Paul's personal signature. And it was a permanent and an unchanging declaration. And this is yet another picture of the forgiveness that we receive from God. Forgiveness and love go hand in hand. And in Jeremiah 31 verse 3, God declares, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. This is a powerful statement. Firstly, this is God's promise of love. The word translated have is past, present, and future tense all at the same time. So it can equally mean I have loved you in the past or I am loving you now in the present and I will love you in the future. This is God promise to us and God always keeps his promises. Secondly, God's love is immeasurable. The word translated everlasting refers to both quality and quantity. To put it bluntly, we cannot go beyond the, the height or the depth or the length or the breadth of God's love. Thirdly, God's love is eternal. God's everlasting love goes beyond time and stretches beyond death into all eternity. So God's love that we experience now is just the starting point. And lastly, God's love is relational. God's love is not randomly scattered. God's love is focused on us. God seeks a personal love relationship with each one of us. Paul valued and loved Onesimus so much that Paul provided a permanent signature, a lasting expression of his love for Onesimus. On the cross, Jesus provided a permanent sign of his love for the world. Jesus literally declared... I love you this much. God is saying to each one of us today, I love you. I value you highly. And I forgive you personally. The question now is, will we accept God's forgiveness? Forgiveness is personal. Forgiveness is precious. Forgiveness is permanent. Someone has said, you can be a Buddhist without knowing Buddha. You can be a Muslim without knowing Muhammad. But you cannot be a Christian without knowing Jesus Christ. Jesus declared in John 14 verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yes, this is a bold statement from Jesus. But as a result, 
we are faced with one of two responses. Either we can decide that what Jesus is saying is intolerant and pushy and even arrogant, or we can say that what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary is the most loving act in history. Jesus, the Son of God, came for each one of us and gave his life so that our sins are forgiven and we are made right with Almighty God. Jesus is inviting each one of us to know him personally today. He is inviting us to put our full trust in what he has done on the cross and out of gratitude for our salvation, to give our lives wholeheartedly to him. How will you respond? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for your word to us today. Help us to understand more about who you are. Heavenly Father, thank you that you consider each one of us so important that you sent your one and only Son to earth so that we can have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, that you consider each one of us so important that you offered up your life to pay the penalty for our sins and wrongdoings. Thank you that through you, our sins are forgiven. And we have the promise of eternal life with you in heaven. Lord, we are weak. Help us to be strong in you. Lord, we are poor in spirit. Help us to be rich through you. Restore us, Lord, through your grace and mercy, so that our lives will honor you at all times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.